Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, Thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for a special episode of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on May the 4th over on twitch.tv slash Chat. As always, wanted to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is actually going to be a look at the lore that is leading up to the Warmind DLC that is going to be dropping next week. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86. We also have with us a man who it has been said has the voice of a flower and is also an individual who goes by many different names, Justin Sane 0516. What guys do you have on for us tonight, Justin? The mighty Chaz Sputin. Chaz Sputin. It's, <laughs> it, it's, you, you get I mean, it. it's, it's, better, it's better than yeah. a playoff Anna Bay. I mean... I, I will give you yeah, that. Annabelle's timeless, okay? <laughs> you watch your mouth, Blue. <laughs> well, rounding out our usual team, we have the grizzly bearded cultivator of Spinfoil himself, Beard Grizzly. Beard, how are you doing tonight? Don't talk to me. I'm writing in my book. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's like the fifth time Beard has told me to leave him alone, so... yeah. <laughs> And I here I am. Him. What's wrong with me? No, I asked him what he was doing, and he uh, looked at me like I grew a third eye. <laughs> I literally oh. looked at him through the internet <laughs> on a voice-related chat service. I would just like to point that out. I am absolutely the epitome of space magic. It was like lawnmower, man. Yeah, that, ooh. Ooh, I don't need to think about that. Ooh. Oh, God. <laughs> Now you broke him. He can't. He can't do. Uh, you can't do his journal anymore. No. Yeah, I'm gonna say between uh, not having enough time, this heat wave that we're facing in the Northeast right now, and uh, just losing focus, I've just been kind of racking my brain. Like, when in the heck am I gonna actually write this web lore into my journals so I can actually start to remember it? Because my thoughts are so, so all over the place. Real quick, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to ask just for sp- uh, specifics there. When you say heat wave. Yeah. What's what's, what's well, your we'll definition? It, yeah. What's your definition of a heat wave? One numbers. Well, the the, the heat two wave numbers I'm, and three. The heat wave I'm, <laughs> let me 
Let me set up the uh, the scenario for you here. So, the other day, uh, which actually I guess was about three days ago, the high was 45 here in good old PA. Okay. The next day, I woke up and I looked at my phone and was like, "Why does it feel like really hot in here?" Just uh, just having woken up at like uh, 12 o'clock because I was up late again the night previous. And all of a sudden, I looked at my phone and went, why the heck is it 85 degrees right now? <laughs> the high that's like That's like was, Texas weather is right there. I was about to say, high, that's springtime in Texas. <laughs> well, no, look, no, the, the live, difference, look, yeah, the I, difference, I, though, is like Texas, too. The, 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 the thing is, is that I don't live in Texas. You also don't point. necessarily have to worry about quite as much humidity. Let me tell you about how Pennsylvania oh, is with humidity. Oh, yeah. Because you want to talk about humidity, dude? <laughs> All right, look, I get it. You're down south more. You got an excuse for that in that way. No, we can, we can totally have that fight. I just don't expect that kind of climate change in Pennsylvania at the start of May. That is all I'm going to say. <laughs> Did you mean to rhyme? Was that a haiku? That show would be proud. It we'll was a beard cue. It was a beard cue. <laughs> I feel like this is like something that we should do every intro look, is have a have a beard cue. Look, if it was a beard cue, there would be more beer involved. Just for <laughs> just for reference, more beer, less cue. That would probably make the heat more tolerable. Yeah, or that's for right? a lot. So what worse. I just got from that is beard is schwitzing, and we should get on with the show. <laughs> well, finally, once again, in the esteemed seat of honor, we do have our dear friend, Purple Chimera. Purple, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing well, Blue. Thanks. <laughs> so, oh, man. She's one making sure we stay sane this <laughs> evening. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Um, mm-hmm. Last week, we asked the community... What story aspect of the Warmind DLC are you most looking forward to and kind of what do you think we should prep most for? Um, and the responses are in and I know Green is not here, but she did us a huge favor and and gave us the answers. Uh, it was actually a pretty good amount of responses. I think she said that there are about 292, I think she said. Yeah, 292 votes. Mm. Um and it looks like it's pretty close, to be honest. Uh, Warmind, obviously, Rasputin came in actually kind of a, in the lead, which I, I'm honestly, I'm not really surprised. But what I am surprised about is how close it was. It was Warmind, Warmind for 33%. Clovis Bray came in very close at 27%. And Hive were at 24%. And then uh, Pre-Collapse and the Collapse were at 16 I mean, honestly, that's a lot. Clo- I, I did not think it was going to be that close between those. I mean, I was kind of, I was expecting Rasputin to win, but because you know that's what he's he never mind. It's, it's kind of his DLC <laughs> in a way, at least so we think. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, that's... yeah. No, I would uh, I would have expected that the gap would have been much bigger than that, but I think that kind of just goes to show like the the element of Rasputin itself has such a, a large presence within the lore that in some ways it's really hard to screw up but in a second way it just shows like how far permeated into the uh, soul system that he is so how between some of the stuff we're going to talk about of course this evening looking back at like how the hive and fallen have kind of uh, 
work with Rasputin, so to speak. More mm-hmm. so how Rasputin basically kicked him out on their pants. Uh, <laughs> but where he is still needed to basically uh, needed to look at us and, and ask us for help on, on Earth, if that even is him on Earth. <laughs> anyway. Not yet. Not yet. All right, fine. <laughs> uh, real quick, though, one of the one of the answers that uh, Green threw in here was from Cantrip, DJ Cantrip, uh, who said, Clovis Bray, I have about all of the books of Sorrows memorized, and we did get a sneak peek at the infighting between the Worm Gods with the story of Golgoroth, so it doesn't really surprise me that they played more chess with their more powerful or most powerful servants. Uh, which, Absolutely. which, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. And I mean, really, honestly, I, I'm, I'm excited to see exactly that, di- that like dynamic between, uh, not just Nacris and, uh, Zol, but also between Zol and the other worm gods, like how that, how like, I'm, I'm interested to see how much of that we're going to get a chance to see, um, I in know the, we'll, in the we'll DLC. get there on that angle, but right, like, yeah. all of a sudden this starts like. This starts bringing up the topic of things like uh, allegiances and everything. Yes, that you wouldn't necessarily like think <laughs> of with uh, with the hive, especially like. Well, you would and, think it would just be uh, uh, either all for one, and that's right. all that there is. Or anyway, right? And I mean, myself, like right? Always. But I mean, again, kind of tapping into that. I mean, because that's all we've seen, right? And and now all of a right. sudden, we well, we we've heard that there's a division between the the siblings, but. Then you pull back even bigger, and you have to realize that that division—that's only one worm god. There's right. five. Well, there's four technically, mm-hmm. um, which will also we'll get we'll t- we'll probably touch on that a little bit because that revelation was kind of like, wait, what? That kind of rebalance. Plot, that plot kind of twist. Yeah, Plot-o that kind really of really isn't dead. <laughs> that that's kind of a rebalancing of power right there for me. Um, yeah. Well, and it's it's probably the catalyst that started a good majority of it. Which oh yeah, that's the uh, that's the that this is the side which I'm I'm kind of excited for. They're making direct references, and and I think this is good to kind of preface the show with. They're making direct references back to older grimoire. Mm-hmm. They're also referencing the books of sorrow pretty well, and it's the side of the books of sorrow that to me we didn't get to see often which is what was actually going on with the worm gods. Right. So these are the small snippets that we are starting to get more understanding of. How far that's going to go will end up being the question, but for now, I'm very interested. Well, before we jump into, I know uh, as as we normally do, we're going to ask for next week a question to the community. Um, and this time, our, our next topic is going to be on the gunsmiths. So it's going to be kind of returning back into the current game as well. I guess technically then Warmind will have been released as well. Um, so what, what type of, what question do you guys want to ask since green's not here to make it up on the fly? We get to make it so up when you, which is very dangerous. Yeah, really. When you say <laughs> like, the... I'm surprised she let us do that. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm not gonna lie. I am surprised that she did not be, she did not put something in there like blue. You're going to ask this question. Like, all right, <laughs> you left a blank. I mean, I generally am, am sometimes the one that says, "Let's ask this question," and everybody's on board with it. I'm just that's true. That's here. true. That's true. <laughs> 
Uh, when you say the gunsmith, do you just mean Banshee or are we no, talking weapon foundries? Uh, well, not the not necessarily the weapon foundries, though the gunsmiths that are in. The, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not thinking the weapon foundries, but I mean the gunsmith, like gunsmiths in general, like the the position. I granted Banshee and apparently Arkite is considered a gunsmith now. He's no longer quartermaster, which was that was an what? interesting. Yeah, no, like, I yeah, I'm, I I'm like, wait, what, like. Because there's a slight, I mean, there is a slight difference between them. Um, right. But so, I mean, yeah, it, it's uh, gunsmiths as in the position, not necessarily the vendor position, um, which I think will cross into weapon foundries because obviously the weapon foundries do have gunsmiths employed. But I'm not, I mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to diving into some of the foundries, but I don't think we're going to do a deep dive into foundries necessarily i mean mm-hmm. to me that really sparks up a, a couple big questions one would be either who is your your favorite out of what it is that we know so far gunsmiths uh or what is if, if we want to go along with the foundries and the fact that most gunsmiths have to work with the foundries especially in the case of somebody that's numbered 44 uh, at that point, it would be which foundry do you like best, or which, you know, which, which style? style gun yeah, I was about to say, yeah, which style? Yeah, I like yeah. that. I like that. Let's do that. Let's. Which style gun do you prefer? I like that because that's actually yeah, as soon as you started talking about foundries, I was where my brain went was because yeah. we see we see the distinct difference between those styles. Right. Um, and when we when I say style, just to to clarify the question a little bit too for everybody. The idea would be looking at like how the weapons are put together in a lot of ways. So like hockey, I'll take as an example, they're they're more like the the rigid look about them, and then you get Suros and they're more of like a, a curved look about them. So and keep then, that in mind as you're kinda like looking over most of the other foundries. And then you get the best one ever, which is Amalon. I was gonna say, so Amalon, why is it Amalon and why why are why is everything else wrong? <laughs> and and also Amalon. for the record, who is your favorite gunsmith and why is it Shira four? In which case otherwise you are otherwise wrong. <laughs> yeah. And also, why do most Suros guns look like suppositories? <laughs> well there's a scientific fact for that I really don't know. <laughs> And now Soros is ruined for me. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> yep, I will. I will never hold a gun like that again. You're just gonna be. You're just gonna be shooting someone saying, "Take your medicine." <laughs> oh God. Well, I don't even okay, want to have Soros regime now. Now I have a question. Have a question ab- about your your community question. Uh, <laughs> Are we supposed to pick a favorite, like look, or a favorite like? to play in game because they're different sometimes i'll I'll agree with that yeah i'm gonna say i would go more with just style just aesthetics i said yeah what style gun design do you prefer or gun yeah because when you start dealing with gunsmiths you start dealing with stuff like kit bashing like we know that shiro 4 is very good at and we start also dealing with like how these guys are putting these weapons together and realistically, it comes down to either are they focusing on uh, style or are they fun- uh, focusing more on like function? And when mm. you start talking about a gunsmith, there are different levels in which they are going to put their weapons together that influence the overall design and function of a weapon. 
but overall, the aesthetics are still going to have a very key part to play with that. Amalon, for instance, wouldn't have that liquid uh, moniker to give us an idea on how the uh, levels actually are within the gun and how much we have left on ammo if it was not for that style being a choice of their own. So that's what I would say. So again, seems, focus yeah. just on the just on the style and the look of the weapons, not necessarily how they how they feel or handle. Just look. Yep, I like. And also, it. again, Amalon, and why you're wrong. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Vice, Vice, Vice does come close, though. I, I think All right, you're Vi- you're fair there. Some some of Vice, I'm like, I really would like to like you as a gameplay, but I can't stand you. <laughs> Well, especially when we start to, now that I'm in complete tangent mode, especially when we start talking <laughs> about weapons between like the colony and all of a sudden we look at hard light. I've got mm-hmm. two weapons there that I would easily look at and say, I like both of those guns very much for their style and aesthetic. And I especially like the colony because it skitters around all over the place. <laughs> and Justin's lucky it's not snakes. Uh, yeah, I love any gun you don't have to aim. That, that it's, why is he posted up like a bulldog? <laughs> mm. I love uh, Amalon weapons because they all look like they could be folded into a briefcase. That too. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden they're like an attache assassin weapon. Uh-huh. Like every single one of them. Oh, man. All right. So I know as much as obviously we love talking about the aesthetics of weapons, I know everyone is looking forward to diving into tonight's discussion on the Warmind DLC. So let's run through our standard intro notes real quick, and then we'll get right into it. In our last episode of Focus Fire Chat, we discussed the lore surrounding Failsafe. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please rate and, if you can, review the show on iTunes, Podbean, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help us stay on the charts, which helps others find our amazing community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at about 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the previous week's chat for those who were unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links to which can be found in our show notes or on our website. And if you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content covering a number of different titles and mediums. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on gunsmiths. As always, please be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know which topic you want to discuss after that. Links to that poll can be found on either Twitter, at Focus Fire Chat, or within our Discord server. As usual, here's Green with a high-level summary of tonight's topic. Well, hello, my dears. I am... well... It doesn't rightly matter who I am. Needless to say, we have a lot to cover before... Well, yes, let's get to it. The writers of our destiny wait for no one. Our dear Anna Bray. Yes, I know what you have heard, but there's more to it than you know. She hunts for what we all want. Knowledge of our past, of the time before, 
but I'm afraid her hunt is much more dangerous than earning the ire of officials. You see, brave facilities are notorious for attracting all sorts of villainies. Truly, if the records hold, why a few she goes now is the birthplace of Rasputin. The very facility that has been mostly forgotten, save for records locked from prying eyes. I fear, if what I've been able to gather is true, that what she will uncover out there will be dangerous for us all. Please, go help her, and in turn help us all. Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about the Warmind DLC, however, let's have a quick chat about this week's Lost Lore. So we actually had a number of people write in um, to suggest different things. And a big shout out to you guys for contributing to it, uh, especially uh, no mention of Kev from Twitter. And then I just blanked on the gentleman's name. Uh, hang on real quick. Let me pull it back up. Uh, Chargoon, who also said uh, Ghost Fragment Mysteries and Darkness. And Kev actually said Darkness 3, which is the one that we were already kind of thinking about. Because it kind of fits in the theme of the whole thing. Um, Darkness 3 is the excerpt from the Journals of Toland. And it's the one that a lot of people really like reading. uh, Because it's the one where he kind of insults everybody. Uh, And then the other one is... uh, Let me make sure I got that right. Uh, Mysteries. I think that's one of the ones that is from Rasputin's point of view. Which... Obviously is a is a good tie-in, but real quick on Darkness 3 to kind of come back to that one. Um, the reason why Kev and Chargoon kind of mentioned this one and Green and I were really in pretty good, pretty strong agreement with it is that this is one of the few times that we see a an explanation, like a, a clear explanation of the darkness. I'm not going to say it's right, but I'm saying that it's actually someone who is trying to explain something, Um, which, you know, given destiny's propensity to not do that, it makes it very stand out. And real quick, uh, do either, do any of you guys want to read that? I have it pulled up if you would like me to, but I wanted to offer that if anyone else wanted to darkness three, you said, yes, I got it here. Perfect. What does the text say? And again, this is Darkness 3, in case you guys want to look this up. I drive myself to the edge of madness, trying to explain the truth. It's so simple, elegant, like a knife point. It explains, this is not hyperbole. This is the farthest thing from exaggeration. Everything. But you lay it out, and they stare at you like you've been exhaling dust. Maybe they're missing some underlying scaffold of truth. Maybe they're all propped on a bed of lies that must be burned away. Why does anything exist? No, 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 no. Don't reach for that word. There's no reason. That's teleology, and teleology will stitch your eyelids shut. Why do we have atoms? 
because atomic matter is more stable than the primordial broth. Atoms defeated the broth. That was the first war. There were two ways to be, and one of them won. And everything that came next was made of atoms. Atoms made stars. Stars made galaxies. Worlds simmered down to rock and acid, and in those smoking primal seas, the living, first living molecule learned to copy itself. All of this happened by the one law, the blind law, which exists without mind or meaning. It's the simplest law, but it has no worshippers here. Out there, though. Out there. How do I explain it? It's so simple. Why don't you see? Imagine three great nations under three great queens. The first, the first queen writes a great book of law, and her rule is just. The second queen builds a high tower, and her people climb it to the stars. The third queen raises an army and conquers everything. The future belongs to one of these queens. Her rule is harshest, and her people are unhappy. But she rules. This explains everything. Understand? This is why the universe is the way it is, and not some other way. Existence is a game that everything plays, and some strategies are winners. The ability to exist, to shape existence, to remake it so that your descendants, molecules or stars or people or ideas, will flourish, and others will find no ground to grow. And as the universe ticks on towards the close, the great players will face each other. In the next round, there will be three queens, and all of them will have armies, and now it will be a battle of swords, until one discovers the cannon, or the play, or the killing word. Everything is becoming more ruthless, and in the end, only the most ruthless will remain. Look up at the sky, and they will hunt the territories of the night and extinguish the first glint of competition before it can even understand what it faces or why it has transgressed. This is the shape of victory, to rule the universe so absolutely that nothing will ever exist except by your consent. This is the queen at the end of time, whose sovereignty is eternal because no other sovereign can defeat it. And there is no reason for it. No more than there was reason for the victory of the atom. It is simply the winning play. Of course, it might be that there was another country with other queens, and in this country they sat down together and made one law and one tower and one army to guard their borders. This is the dream of a small minds, a gentle place ringed in spears. But I do not think those spears will hold against the queen of the country of arms, and that is all that will matter in the end. That is a really good card. It is. It's a very good card. And also, if I could sight read like that again <laughs> for anything else that I do and not screw up five times, that'd be great. Thanks, Brain. I appreciate you. Hey, it's because it's a warlock thing, right? I mean, you, you like like sings to like. <laughs> I will. I will actually attest to that. So when I go to actually read a card for a video or something, otherwise, if it is done in the uh, sphere of a warlock or warlock hood, if it's Osiris, if it's Ariana or anything, I don't screw up. Give me a Titan <laughs> card, I make five million mistakes, and I'm like, why does this happen? Just why? Are you saying you can feel yourself? You. Are you well, saying you can feel yourself getting dumber when you read Titan cards? <laughs> 
Is that what you said? <laughs> Look, no offense to Wayne Ning or anything, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. I, I thought that was mm. offensive. I thought that was offensive. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, real quick, as a, as an aside, this is actually where... So, this is actually where one of my theories on the inspiration for Toll and the Shattered comes from. Uh, because there is actually a... Irish philosopher who goes by the name of John Toland. He uh, lived from about 1670 to about 1722, I believe. Um, and he was what he was one of the first controversial figure figures in what was called the free thinking movement. Um, he, he basically, he was a hundred percent against organized religion and in pretty much all of its forms, uh, mostly because of teleology and he actually went ahead and and supposedly this is one of the like the most interesting literary hoaxes he and Voltaire did not get along um mm-hmm. and it's really funny you know right? like usual i, I mean mm-hmm. voltaire didn't really get along with anybody to like, be fair I mean, so, so i mean to to kind of put a defense on toland right here is it's voltaire so yeah uh-huh. you're bat you're, you're you're at a disadvantage from the start but um, he had a he supposedly had a treaty of the three imposters, uh, which basically is uh, making he's he's condemning Christianity, Judaism and Islam as three great political frauds. But it's it's really interesting to me because his whole thing was the three imposters and Toland's whole thing in this card right here is the three queens. And if you. If you take it a step further, you can actually kind of align most of those those three religions with the different queens. And it, it's it's I mean, it gets really touchy. But as far as a political <laughs> as, as far as a political parallel, it's an interesting little concept. And this card, honestly, I can't read it without reading some of Tol- like uh, the actual Toland in this. He was he was very aggressive. He was very. um I don't want to. It's not condescension, but he he had a tendency to talk very highly. Um, he used very high education, and like he he was very well educated. Uh, he was he was a very um, uh, it, 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 he he basically progressed from Catholicism all the way. He kept going more and more liberal uh, in regards to against the 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 tradition, not necessarily liberal in the modern sense, but. He he developed into what was called pantheism, um, which is actually a word that he coined, apparently. Uh, and it, it stems from another f- uh, philosopher, Spinoza, which I'm, I'm not going to get into that. But it, it was a, a conglomeration of some of his ideas with Toland's ideas. But he basically came out and just, I mean, attacked predominantly a lot of the teleological thought schools of thought that he saw as being blind. Like he, 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 like the whole thing in the fragment here where he says, uh, teleology will stitch your eyelids shut. That is where I'd kind of draw a very strong connection between these two figures. So, but yeah, if you, if you're at all interested in that particular thing, just look up John Toland. Um, there's actually, there's, there's a number of John Tolands, just a fair warning. This is the one who was an Irish rationalist. <laughs> so yeah. specify that when you Google it, 
because otherwise you'll end up with a reading lots of beer yeah well i mean to be fair the irish did save civilization they were pretty they were pretty well educated and this was like the martian it was potatoes that saved the day (laughs) 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 says the irishman so and this was during the age of en- I think this is an age of enlightenment. It was what seven mm-hmm. fifty, yeah, early expressions. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah. So it, that's just to me, um, you know, it to me that's always been like really. This is this is the card that actually concretely cements that idea in my head. But um, I mean, he probably also wasn't fun at parties. Oh yeah, uh, I'm, I'm trying to. I actually, I think I, mean, I did not actually. Voltaire's parties. Oh god, yeah, no. <laughs> I to to put it to put a little flavor on this one. He he's he was strongly influenced by John Locke, and mm-hmm. I mean anyone who's ever read John Locke will know what that kind of means. But like, I mean he he was he was just he was a very academic. He was very aggressively academic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't because necessarily he was being like a a dick. Like he just he he expected people to think, and when he when he encountered people who blame again going back to the darkness three card, pulling in that teleology and be like, oh, this is just the way it's supposed to be, it, it infuriated him, and that's mm-hmm. where like his frustration at that kind of led to the departure. I guess would be the kind word of that particular conversion. It's so simple. Why can't you see? Right. That's again, I'm like, it's just everything in this card just to me screams this, this particular free thinker or this. And he was also an occasional satirist. (laughs) So, I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm going to let someone else talk about maybe the actual game. (laughs) Cause I I can go on for days about the philosophy of free thinking. Well, but, I'm but, to... but honestly, that that plays a lot into like how we are. Like we're very three free thinkers to mm-hmm. begin with. We almost have to be while we're sitting and interpreting how all this lore is. Like if we're closed minded to the truth, then I feel like I'm jumping ahead to the tyro card here. You know? <laughs> I, I, I was gonna get there's you know. yeah yeah. Nah, I'll uh, I'll let that go for a little bit. But it's just to to kind of outline like we are here with openness in mind and I am always open to the idea of my, my thoughts and uh, possibilities challenged at a moment's notice. And if it is backed up with any kind of evidence to the, to the contrary of what I'm thinking, perfect. That is what we are here to do. So having figures that are based from like old, uh, older days of like early thinking as it was, it makes a ton of sense. And especially with somebody like, uh, especially somebody like Toland, who was definitely one of the older thinkers that we had, part of the older guard of the city. That makes a lot of sense to kind of have it carry over into the next stage for us. And really quick, um, I just realized I never actually said what teleology meant. Um, so mm. I, I apologize for that. I, I feel like a Toland. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, to- teleology is a basically a branch or, well, it's a process in philosophy that explains phenomena or uh, actions by the purpose they serve rather than by postulated causes. Um, so if you uh, the easiest way to imagine this is that most people will if you if you're using a teleological explanation, you are saying something is being pulled towards an end 
whereas a lot of people will see things as being pushed. Uh, so it's it's a it's a it's a different way of seeing the the cause. The cause of an event is actually in the future rather than in the past. Um, in theology, you see this as far as um, uh, intelligent design, uh, doctrine of design and purpose in the material world. Uh, and that that actually is stemming from teleology is a a it's derived from to the Greek words telos and logos, uh, which is time and logic or purpose, if I remember that correctly, because it's Greek to me. Um, in goal, that's what it is. Telos. Sorry. Uh, so in goal Latin anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Telios is end or goal, and then logos is reason or explanation. So a teleological explanation is something that is explained by the end. So as far as like going back to Toland or going back even to Toland in game here, it's it's avoiding basically a lot of a lot of people who have problems with uh, people who hide in teleology is because they don't take. There's a lot of people who don't take ownership of their actions. Um, and within a teleological approach, they are saying that, oh, well, you know, um, the end is going to justify the means. And that actually does a disservice to those of us in the present, because if the end justifies the means, that means that you can do whatever you need to as long as you achieve the end. Um, one of the one of the this is going to get really kind of gritty for a second, but one of the ex, one of the prime examples of this is actually in the World War One and World War Two. This was an argument that a lot of the Reich would use in explaining that, oh, the end justifies me. We are going to become better by doing this and this being a very gritty thing. And I'm you know, I know I know there are a couple people who listen to this with kids. So, you know what happened then? Um Thanos. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Justin. Uh, that will work. That will work. And so in that in that justification also kind of explains where Toland in in reality and in game again have a lot of frustration to that because it's it's denying the value of the individual because you're just seen as something that's being pulled. You have no independent free thought. You are a you are predestined on a path that is already um, already set. You don't have any choice. Whereas, and which actually, it, it's interesting that Toland is arguing this because yeah. everyone's like Toland's so evil. Blah, blah blah. No, Toland is arguing for free will in this card. Yeah, yeah. and and that's something. Teleology is a lot more like what the hive have going on. E, yes and no. So teleology is often uh, ascribed to as like. Uh, predetermination like you don't you 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 have the illusion of choice right and this is this is kind of getting into apologetics um but like you have the illusion of free will you don't have free will because everything's been determined it's all gonna it, you know that's there's a destiny that's set out the instant that you say destiny in reality especially in conjuncture with theology a lot of people who um there, there's going to be a lot of cringing. A lot of people don't like that because what that does is that removes the ownership, the on us from us. Like we're, we're no longer responsible. Oh, okay. Well, it's not our choice. We're just doing what we're supposed to do. And it, it, it denies that ability to take ownership of your own existence. Um, and I'm not saying it's not to say that teleology, there is not some, you know, degree of the, the future causing the events of the present, obviously, you know, you do X and you're going to get Y. That's, that is a form of teleology, but it's not strict teleology. 
Um, so there's there's degrees. The strict teleology is the one that denies anybody's capability of free will. And that's what Toland right here he's saying. It's like if you if you use if you use teleology as an explanation for everything, you know, there's no reason, you know, that things don't happen for a reason. Things happen because they happen. Like, you know, it it's 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 a cause and effect argument. He's saying the causes in the past and and other and if you use the teleological argument, you're saying that, oh, well, the reason this bad thing happened is because in the future something, you know, karma will happen. And if you go through your existence like that, Toland is saying, you know, that removes your ability to say, I'm going to change this. I'm going to struggle and I'm going to overcome this. And then he goes into this whole thing about, you know, like, why do we have atoms? You know, and this is kind of where you get the kind of the, the battle of the will of the strongest. Um, and so, and that's where, like, I think that's also where kind of his frustration gets is like, it's so simple. I don't understand why everyone doesn't see it. So, and, and that's just, so that in a nutshell is what teleology meant. And I, again, I apologize. I forgot to kind of clarify that before I jumped into that explanation. No worries. I know Justin was really worried that I wasn't going to explain that. So I was on the edge of my seat. <laughs> so <laughs> <such a>, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, I was wondering guys, if you could pass it up is mainly was my, <laughs> yeah, I know, you know, um, so really let's, let's use that as a jumping point. <laughs> To, uh, to get back to the topic, um, which I know Purple is going like, to strangle really me, <laughs> strangle me for jumping all that. Um, do you guys want to talk about the process of which through which we got the information, starting with this this great little almost owl sector like message, Chris Barrett's Twitch message over in a particular podcast, DDU Destiny Down Under. Um, that I, if, if I remember correctly, the, the exact quote that I got about it was, oh my God, Chris Barrett broke myelin. So basically what happened was Chris Barrett on Twitch dropped a very suspicious looking internal alert. Let's just call it that. First off, it was very similar to the way that Rasputin's Grimoire cards start off with. There were some key differences. But the big things that were but immediate- it says AI com. It has it says RSPN. Like- yeah, yeah, and I think I think the biggest thing the biggest thing was what wasn't Green the one that was pointing out like it the uh, the two one eight CB that was that was not what because Rasputin usually starts with a V. Is that what she was Beard? Do you remember? There was something. There was something about the prefix that she was saying is is uh, significantly different. Do you, do you just mean within the 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 codes? I suppose. Yeah, the code. Yeah, thing. yeah. So a little bit of an interesting tidbit that I think we'll probably get to once we get to the end of it. But after uh, looking through those cards earlier today, because like I said, I've been writing in my books because it's the first time I've been able to. Uh, I actually kind of found out that if if it it means anything. The messages that we've got on Mars are significantly different in structure versus the stuff that we have already seen so far. So again, if it means anything, it could possibly mean the existence of different mindsets on Earth versus Mars, or it could mean something completely different. 
but the code doesn't add up if that helps. Yes. Right. Um, and the big thing with this one was the Polaris mention, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where the first part of Polaris was, that we had actually seen that in the beginning, which, of course, made me go down the big rabbit hole that it didn't <laughs> need to make me go down. Well, I mean, it it wouldn't More be Bungie if you... Yeah, it wouldn't be Bungie if it didn't make you go down a rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then this was followed rather... I, I can't remember how quickly, because this all happened pretty pretty fast if i remember but um the twitch message which i i'm just i i'm gonna spare everybody and i'll read the the english part of it, it says ai com rspn assets slash slash polaris slash slash imperative immediate evaluation directive this is a polaris assets imperative secured slash undisclosed this is an internal alert this was followed up by multiple cryptic tweets that basically created a amazingly I I never saw a community stop complaining and get in gear so fast as what that happened. Like it I revived old, oh old my like sud rabbits and everything. God, I was it like, was, oh wow. I was like, where's the st- I thought we were I thought we were complaining. What's going on? <laughs> Almost like the array in the Cosmodrome coming to life before your eyes. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, it was the first time that I think I got a tweet that was like over 300 likes. So it should give you an idea just in terms of like how big this story ended up getting and how many people ended up getting involved. It was, oh, it amazing. was, it was so cool to watch. And I even I just yep. caught the tail end of it. And I was like, what's going on? And I was like, oh, oh, wow. The horrible part is that I was I was only able to really see it on Twitter. And if you weren't on Twitter, then I think you missed the bulk of it. Like there was a portion that was going on over on Reddit. And that was the the other portion of it. But everything given to us was pretty well posted over on Twitter. So the vast majority of stuff that Chris likes to do has almost always been related to Twitter, and it's one of the only reasons I still have my my account. Mine is keeping in touch with some people, like that. Just just the stuff that Bungie and I, in particular Chris Barrett like to do with Twitter is amazing. And he also he point, also Disney likes. Memes. I was about to say he he also really likes getting into gift battles with Justin and Green and I. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, anyways, um, You're welcome. Ba- <laughs> Um, it basically what happened was there was a there was a number of of tweets that went out, uh, and this created a huge kerfuffle on amongst the everyone. And once we un, once the community had solved these, it resulted in I think the message was multiple distributed Polaris axions report increased sterile neutrino patterning correlating to an increase in AVG Polaris temp. Reactivated area seismic analysis detects high quantities of non-native organic chitin in transmission. Um, so, couple first, of keywords. <laughs> yeah, go go for it. Weird. You said chitin too, because yeah. I said chitin in my video, and I no, got reamed. It's chitin. For it. It's chitin. Whatever. It's not chitlins. I know. Chitlins. That's what I said too. I told people, guess what? Let me tell you how dialect works, and let me tell you how pronunciation works, <laughs> because English doesn't make any sense. So it's either chitin or chitin, and it doesn't matter which it is. You got the point, didn't you? I'm not going to fly it in the sky. 
Okay. Right. right. I think, yes, are you going to is... eat it for snack? Oh, Lord. Uh, depends not. Depends on what, what form <laughs> of it is. Because, anyways, moving on. Just in case, just in case anyone's wondering what chitin is, it's the white dog poop-looking substance from the Taken King. It was all over everything. Because <laughs> that makes um, it sound much so much more. <laughs> yeah. well, you're not eating it for lunch, so there's there's mention of it by Eris in the yeah. Cell Strike. That's and where the you dark like, blade. Really, yeah. Yep, with the dark blade. Um, but that is the the main place that you hear of that mention. Uh, it's also the thought of how like most King's Fall weapons are actually produced, is that yeah. they are just broken down something or other. And Which, there you go. Yeah. Oh, here we here we go. A, don't read the second so, one. Don't read the second yeah, one. Yeah, don't read the second one. <laughs> I wasn't gonna all right. Look. A fibrous substance consisting of a poly, uh, polysaccharides polysaccharides thank you thank you this is why we bring you on on the show Uh, (laughs) i'm here to help a fibrous substance consisting of polysaccharides and forming the major uh constituent in the exoskeleton or uh of anthropods and the cell walls of fungi ninja 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 in chat says I'm gonna have to say it the, my way final. now. Chitin is the final shape of chitlins. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, and when we're and when we're talking about the hive, I know shape, it makes it even wonderful. better. It, it really is. Does. Yeah. Can we just can we just can we, say that? No, um, thrall scat. Thrall scat is what is what Eris is carrying around. Mm-hmm. That's not chitin chitin. Can we talk about Tyra? Yeah, let's talk about yeah, Tyra. Really. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about something other than Thrall Scat. Because I'll uh, I'll spoil it for everybody. We're actually going to come back to this uh, Chris Barrett tweet stuff anyway, mm-hmm. uh, because it was all leading up to something, and that actually releases down to the pre-release narrative with what we have now called web lore. So I'm not how this is going to carry on, but that is exactly what we have now. And the first one, and why everybody's talking about Tyra, is because it's literally called Tyra. So what what was, uh, for any of you who have not read this, it is in, it's over on, actually it's, uh, was a, almost, oh, I almost thought it was a twab, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, it was, it was so but, uh, but it was, uh, it was a weekend blog post that Bungie put out and it's basically a small snippet that looks very it, it reminds me a lot of the old grimoire cards um and do do we want to read the full thing or do we want to just talk about it's kind of long right that's my that's my only thought okay We're so here, here are the day. important things Tyra's ghost doesn't have a name and it's bitter <laughs> about that and then, well, of course, the most important part to me is the very last line, mm-hmm. which I tweeted about if you follow me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes our conclusions change. And with each, with each shift, we learn more of where we came from. The next shift in our perceptions, it may be on Mars. I also like the uh, insult to Raul. Yeah, the, the <laughs> two paragraphs at the end are like what I feel some people within the lore community need to like be reminded of now and again. If I'm at all brutally honest, but I think I think everyone is, does to be honest to to kind of carry right. that a little bit further. But 
Yeah, it's <laughs> it's just something, and it's not to sound like I'm holier than thou or anything. It's just to say, yo, take a step back. Sometimes it's not always just saying it's a wreck. You know, there's there's plenty of things that we can kind of poke at and pull from, and this the lore itself is massive and fluid to begin with. And these are the things that I I kind of get a little tired of when I see it called out so quickly. Like, let's look back at everything that's being produced or has been produced, because realistically, there is a ton of stuff that I don't think has been referenced, even from Destiny War, uh, One again. That I'm I'm starting to look back at some of the stuff about the War Mines and go, you know what? The ones that said the things about the last War Mind. It's actually corroborated in the Zavala uh, entry that we're going to get to and a couple other places that it was it was all hearsay for very good reason. So with that said, don't end up uh, concluding that everything that you hear is going to be 100 percent fact. If it is written record, I would go with that as like a, a proof positive. But Otherwise, we're looking at a, a bit of a headcanon bias. I know I get there sometimes, but you know, just just keep it in mind. I would throw that in there even then if it's written. Remember that Bungie is doing the presentation of this information as within the game. So even didn't someone data, make an episode about bias? I was getting there. <laughs> I was getting there. I always get to that point because it's an amazing episode. Um, but I mean, right. In the, in that there is that it's the recognition that this is all information that we gather from in game and the in game present, uh, the in game information is not given to us by for, uh, a, a narrator who is above all and outside the fourth wall. It's given to us by in game characters who have their own biases, who have their own agendas, who have their own goals and, you know, all this stuff that they are trying to get to themselves. And that's actually what makes it so much fun. And, and I mean, I, I'm going to double down on this last these last two paragraphs because this is honestly one of my favorite quotes. Because she not only says, you know, sometimes our conclusions change. She, she also says right before that, only by understanding what was can we understand what we are now. How the world we know came to be. And each artifact we, we find helps us interpret what we already know. Adds layers, new identities. We are experimenting in the laboratory of time, testing each observation through a crucible of evidence. What what this reminds me of is when we were talking to John Goff, and he he basically explained like the idea of the Dredgen Yor story as being similar to the exploration of the pyramids. And you know, each time they're like, Okay, we got this, we know what's going on, and then someone would knock down a wall and they're like we were wrong <laughs> and, and just like and, show you. and you have to you have to constantly get into this mindset that your paradigm needs to be flexible and that is acknowledging that there is a research bias there is bias in everything that you do but in the same vein there's also bias in everything that we're looking at which is not necessarily a bad thing it's just it's just something that's there and purple i'm gonna let you kind of talk to that a little bit more because i know you're you're much more eloquent about it than i am <laughs> um well I, I i seem to have chosen it as my hill to die on here <laughs> um but but really i think when it comes to the um especially when we're talking about the golden age I have to remind myself about this a lot. The 
NPCs that we interact with, so like the Vanguard and Tyra and Rahul and everybody, they probably only know a little bit more about the Golden Age than we do. Right. Because pretty much everything was lost. Like it was called the collapse for a reason. And she even mentions, Tyra even mentions in here um, that this data she's talking about was recovered more than six months ago, but it's just now being decrypted. You know, so one, it looks like it's just a lot of stuff, but also like, is that because it was under a lot of secret coding that they had to decipher or is it just you know, like the Rosetta Stone kind of situation where like, we just don't speak the same language anymore. So any information that we get about the Golden Age is coming through, you know, Tyra is coming through, Ikora is coming through, the speaker is, you know, whoever it's coming through. Like, you have to take that into account. They might be giving us misinformation, not because they're trying to trick us, but because they don't have all the pieces themselves. Definitely. As much as I harp on this idea of don't call something a retcon, I also know that the lore itself has to be, uh, to a to a very obvious point, needs to be respected and needs to be within some kind of semblance of organization. So I do understand where we get passionate about the idea of making sure that our thoughts and ideas are kind of put into some relative terming. But there's an idea of if we were completely factual about every piece of information that we had, it would be evidence only to the ideas of events that had occurred, not necessarily the actual impact of how those people's feelings might have been. The feelings end of everything, that's the interpretation. That's where we end up getting things lost in translation, if you will. But the events side of things, knowing that something did happen, that's where, to me we have to make sure that we draw that line on that angle versus of course, having the, the implication that sometimes events are, are still hazed. And I, and I know that's still a fine line to watch or, or walk, but it's just, uh, just an idea that, yeah, we gotta, we gotta make sure it's respected. Also, I saw it brought up in chat, the idea of folklore. Again, we've talked on it on this show several times. A good majority of what we do read is folklore. Uh, Otherwise, what we end up really uh, digging into about events, that again comes down to the event being pretty well truthful, but the interpretation of that event being the problem. So it's, it's corroborating evidence. We have, to, we have to ensure, just like a cryptarch, that we have many, uh, many pieces of evidence. Otherwise, it's just supposition. I mean, talking about that kind of makes me think of the next piece, actually. You know, using mm-hmm. that to kind of segue into the Apocrypha web lore piece. Do, uh, Beard, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure, because between this one and some of the other stuff that we have, my goodness, um, I kind of I kind of already talked about it a little bit earlier because we were we were kind of discussing the idea of the Books of Sorrow being somewhat referenced here. Mm-hmm. And now we get this alternative viewpoint of the worm gods where we didn't have that previously you know we we knew of the the other worms and everything but the ones that were in the spotlight pretty heavily were akka and yule and to a, a better piece of that it was pretty well just yule akka was in for one scene and then he was just like well i guess it's my time to die um <laughs> that didn't uh that didn't really play too well to like what it was that's going on 
uh, into the the actual worm god's psyche or what it otherwise is they need to do. The biggest things to kind of sum up here, we get the full names of all of the uh, worm gods themselves, which I think <laughs> really plays into most of it, uh, which, so I'll get to that in a little bit here, which I, I think is kind of fun. Yule, the honest worm, Akka, the worm of secrets, Air, the keeper of order, Ur, the ever hunger, and Zol, will of the thousands. So when I ended up reading Zoles in particular, just to kind of tie this back to a little bit of gameplay, we had uh, the Will of the Thousand Strike that was announced. Pretty well confirms that, yeah, we're going to be going ahead and fighting uh, Zol within the, the Warmind DLC. Uh, and then we ended up getting a trailer that basically said, hey, look, I'm Zol. How's it going, guys? Uh, but the other piece about this that I've always felt like wrong about when Yule says that he's the honest worm, I would probably say that overall he probably is the most honest about it all. But then I look at most of the others and I'm like, no, this is like this is like hive instance going on here again with like wizards and knights and stuff. Are we sure it's really not like the flip that's going on here? Like he's not really the honest worm. He's just telling you something that sounds good. He's getting your confidence, then pulling a con on you. Yeah, that those are the things that I, I think kind of say a little bit truthful or a little bit more about the names that we see now. Uh, but what is further interesting about this entry is the perspective of who it is that's actually talking uh, within this entry. And we find out by the end of it is that it is Nacris. Nacris is the one that actually is voicing all of this. He's talking about these uh Places that effectively like uh, that he's either been or the the war that is starting to develop within the worm gods themselves. Uh, and Yule is basically the one that's going to be spearheading a good majority of it just to say, hey, we uh, kind of saw that Akka can die. Let's uh, let's remember that we're like just being a little bit on the, you know, that we're, we're placating ourselves a little bit too much here where we're not moving forward. <laughs> uh, and they kind of sum up the books of sorrow very quickly, which I think is kind of funny, uh, just in terms of like how the sisters came to power and how everything else ended up, uh, kind of going. But then we get to this point where it's like, well, now we still don't know exactly like why Nocris was abandoned or anything. Otherwise it was just a matter that Zol ended up finding that, oh, Oryx or Oryx is a very powerful being, maybe his son which they pretty well confirm out of this entry as well, uh, is uh, just as powerful or has the capability to be just as powerful. Maybe I should align with him. So Zol ends up taking Nakris' heart, and in turn, Nakris takes a bit of power directly from Zol. So it's a it's another bargain, but it's a, it, it almost feels like a secondary bargain. Like, there was the main bargain that our, uh, Oryx and all them had made back on the Fundament, and now there's this one that, that kind of showcases again. So it's just these constant bargains that the Hive seem to like to be uh, to enter in. Real quick on the bargain idea, too. <clears throat> um, you know, the way I kind of read it was kind of similar to what you just said, but also remember that the bargain that started this whole thing uh, was done with the siblings, and Nocris is not technically part of that. Like, I mean, he he could be, but he's not 
beholden to that bargain in the same sense that Oryx is, right? right. So if you're going to make a Faustian bargain, you can't, like, I, I kind of read it as, like, it's you, you, if, if one devil makes a deal, another devil can't make a deal with the same individual. You know, it's kind of like you can't double dip on that. So mm-hmm. Zol seems to be kind of like, okay, well, you know, you're related to the guy who just took out my best friend. I'm going to be best friends with you because you probably have some potential in you, even though right. you're, even though your brother is incompetent. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, where is the mention of, Cro- oh, no one likes Crota. I love no how there's like, Crota. I love how like in this entire thing, there's not even a comment about, yeah, this guy. <laughs> yeah, really? Like the only one that actually does is is Oryx, and it, it it almost feels like that that little bit of like, well, we haven't put him anywhere else, so we <laughs> should actually so talk bad. about my my spawn a little bit and make sure that it's like actually shown that we're we're still doing something. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Throw but him through the gate. Yeah, really. Uh, what I find that's interesting about this piece, though, uh, some people have been commenting towards me saying. Uh, Nakris had no idea about the Books of Sorrow, uh, or because the the books had actually come like after the fact or otherwise. Uh, Nakris to me felt, I, especially with the last line, mm-hmm. I the child became uh, become herald death. Record these words: they are not of the sorrow; they are mine. So he clearly knows of the Books of Sorrow. I would just like to throw that out there. Uh, however, the big questions to me that kind of like popped up from this are uh, what of the other worm gods, like who is aligned with who otherwise? Is there another reason for the split existing or something else? Uh, how weak are the worms at this point? Uh, and why did Nocris, uh why did Oryx abandon Nocris to begin with? And I think one of the largest ones to me is the piece of um, what is it? The piece of like how weak the worms actually are. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we start talking about Akka, that actually goes back to a line a little uh, earlier within, which to me kind of says the only reason that Rx was even able to kill Akka is because Akka had grown that weak. And it reads in time, Oryx learned Akka's secret, that he was stronger than the gods, that they had given their power, and in giving, it was diminished. Oryx rose up and slew Akka. He took, and he grew strong with Akka's power. Now, all the same, of course, per this point, Oryx is also very powerful just because of Zavuarath and Sabathun having uh, been slain just moments before, at least we think moments before, uh, going to fight Akka, but to me, this still says that because Akka was giving a little bit of his power over to the, the Hive or the siblings, this effectively led back to them also becoming weaker. So it's that, and I think that's why Yule had to say, let's uh, get ourselves motivated again, because clearly we're getting a little bit too weak for these guys that we uh, kind of helped support. Yeah, and I think that ties into two from the Books of Sorrow as well, our, uh, Oryx's point about the whole thing of like, you know, we we were given. So it's in, in the sword logic, it's not just the ones that are given, but it's also the giving. 
kindness is punished, it seems, which, right. you know, that has its own implications as well. Um, but, you know, I guess using, using again, as this as another segue, talking about, <laughs> talking about something as being given, um, you guys want to look at the Cryptarch web lore piece because this is something that is given that is directly connected to the teaser trailer that we all got the what was this tuesday last tuesday was when we got anna bray's little trailer um this really kind of explains why anna bray even went where she went um and and the the other cool thing real quick is there's a lot there's a number hang on i think there is one two three four that i counted four new character names other than the big names like nakris and you know we which we already kind of knew but these are four new names that we have about in the in the game world uh reinhardt and then cameron in this particular piece and cameron actually makes an appearance in the webcomic which if you guys have not had a chance to to read, um, I really liked it. I don't I didn't like the art style as much as I liked Curse of Osiris's comic, but the trade off was yeah, I, I liked Curse of Osiris's art. I really did. I really liked the art style. But the flip I find side that is very interesting. Eh. You're the first person I've heard to say that. Oh really? I say I didn't yeah. like the comic for Fall of Osiris. Well, well, okay, I, right? Yeah, I know I why. I love this one. So I know it wasn't because like even the art. I, I just really I didn't you didn't like it. I don't know. No. I just I like that. I, I well, like I that general crazy. style. I think yeah, you're that's actually nuts. Yeah, well, you know, it's not it's not podcast until we disagree. So you know, <laughs> um, but I mean, like just yeah, that 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 style I, for comic books especially. Like I don't know. It just mm-hmm. it makes me. When I see that particular art style, my brain immediately is like, oh, I'm reading a comic. Like, it's just... Right. Well, it's, wasn't the artist some important person? Oh, yeah, yeah. These are all... Yeah, yeah. these... Yes, they are all uh, actual comic artists. Um, yes. The the gentleman who is... Who wrote this comic, uh, the Anna Bray comic, is the... I keep thinking Doctor Strange, but I don't think that's correct. It's... um. Oh, I was just Dan. Danfinity was just telling us about this. No, I think you're. I think you're right on that. I want to actually take a peek at the the credits. Is it Doctor that. Strange? Um, I believe so. Um, but anyways, he like I mean, and then uh, P. I think it was Peter North that did Fall of Osiris. So it was written, and by- he does Squirrel Girl. I want to say, which is hilarious, by the way. It was written by uh, David Rodriguez and Mark Wade. Wade, uh, that's which who yes, was. they're they're very important. Um, Wade had everywhere. Chris. Yeah, you had Chris Anka as one of the artists. Uh, Matthew Wilson as the color artist. Um, I'm trying to remember. Like all, all of these people are obviously very important to everything that's going on here. Um, but we do have Margaret Stoll and Sam uh, Strachman as narrative directors that are listed for destiny two at this point too. I should actually make mention of that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, did you guys catch yeah, the friends. speaking of the comic? Did you guys catch the little Easter egg on the cabal language? Yeah, it was, I like that. 
So so uh, someone translated the thing over on Reddit and everyone's like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, actually, it was just upside down. I think it was upside down and backwards. Mm. he was like actually not even a cipher he was like he's like i'll take the accolades but it really wasn't that it's it's really funny uh but real to kind of come back to the uh cryptarch web lore piece basically what this is is this is an excerpt from a examination by a cryptarch by the name of master reinhardt uh i'm surprised justin's not jumping on that but um no oh, wow justin must have actually fallen asleep um Uh-oh. but uh Uh-oh. it's it's uh collapse and post-collapse incidents on mars and examination of ecological changes in the polar regions which i mean i don't know about you guys but that sounds really engaging and i want to read the whole thing right yes it's okay. exactly like infrastructure it's such a good conversation. <laughs> so, so basically what this is, is this is a cryptarch doing a, a dissertation or a thesis on the events that happen on Mars in the collapse and after the collapse and kind of why, you know, we kind of mentioned this a little bit on uh, the DTR show is where did this ice happen? You know, like, when did this happen? What What is going on here? What is going, what is all this? And uh, he actually references Raul, who, you know, we all love, who wrote a, a a similar thesis on the great disaster from Burning Lake to the Hellmouth, which just cracks me up. But um, I, I really want to know what uh, Ives response to both of these are, to be to be completely serious for a second there, because we know that there is a great academic debate between Raul and Ives. So I'm curious as to what that. that I would, would love be. to read Rahul's dissertation on Burning Lake. Oh and then God! Ives and then responds. Ives like Ives responds to it. He's like, <laughs> "You are an idiot, dear friend, and this is why we need we need three entries. I think at this point, one by Rahul, one by Reinhardt, one by Ives." Where the one by Reinhardt might be the one that's like more in the center of it. Yeah, it was like the, the calming one. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they're like on the other side of it all. And it needs to be on the same topic. Like they're all given the same topic over all the research. And all three of them come to different conclusions. That would be wonderful. And, and By the way, if that Ives, ever happens, and you know, you Ives and Rule first, folks. Ives and Rule are just going to devolve into arguing with each other. I'm going to say they're just going to be like, I've had Ives, fellow. We'll probably tell you to believe this. And then Raul will be over there telling you to believe this. Meanwhile, Reinhardt's like. a little tower that he gets to stand in all day. And then Reinhardt's in the middle being like, well, the facts are. Yeah, really. That's, but, that's uh, exactly where I would hope that would go. So, and I think this was, was this where we got the 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 satellite snippet? That yes. went, like that led down another random rabbit hole. Yeah, it's, it says from data from Morsat. I'm not going to read the whole number. Um, J something something, which crashed and was recovered near Freehold, indicates that the climate change on Mars may have happened over a matter of mere days. However, this Warsat was heavily damaged during reentry, and the data may be suspect. Until we have a secondary source for corroboration, this is mere supposition. Nonetheless, if we accept this data then we are looking at an external endothermic event caused by artificial means on a scale so massive that it altered the entire climate of the region. 
Why would this happen? If it's to believed an invasion of unknown biological entities, including one of massive size, was detected in the region immediately before the event, could this have been a collapse era attack with a weapon of unknown origin? Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> Which it then goes on to kind of talk about this stuff with uh, Cameron because Cameron's the one digging up the. Uh, logs for Anna at this point. Owl sector the, the for the win. Couple. Yep. Uh, Anna, told you I remembered an article from the Mars research we were doing at Owl sector. This could be what you're looking for if you can dig it out. Reinhardt goes on for a few hundred pages from here. I'll send the whole thing to Jinju if you're interested. But his conclusions are all wrong because he never mentions the one thing that could have done this. There's something in Hellas Basin. You're going to be the one to find it. That leads me down one path of the rabbit hole, but I'm holding out my theory for a little longer because the next one is uh, kind of important. But what this otherwise just serves to show is that there may have been reason to believe that the Hive were either on Mars before the collapse or Nacris in particular had actually invaded during the uh during the the what's the word i'm looking for the disorganization the chaos Mm -hmm. that was the collapse so that's where we're kind of at per the moment but it definitely seems like it was either during collapse or it was uh sometime before which if you want my personal immediately before uh, if you want my personal opinion it happened a fair bit before or at least by the time that the traveler got there. Well, but my my only my only counter argument to that would be that we have record of Rasputin detecting the the neutrinos, mm-hmm. and so I think this might be the thing that he detected. Instead of you know everyone assumed that that detection that we see in the grimoire was the start of the collapse. What if that was this? That. That wasn't necessarily the start of the collapse of it, but he did notify, he did notice this, and then this whole thing happened, and then the collapse happened, you know, and that might explain also why Rasputin was enabling all these de- um, uh, gear movements behind the scenes, was he's like, oh, Lord, these guys are not joking. They're big, they're made out of chiclets, and they're just like... <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invent, I'm gonna invent new words for this thing every time I talk about it. But like, I mean, you know, like his, this was Rasputin's crash course learning of, oh God, these guys are coming, and he man, or you know, whether whether it was Rasputin, whether it was the Traveler, whoever it was, had managed to. They didn't even, to be fair, they didn't defeat him. They stopped them. <laughs> But they didn't defeat them. So that's that's the other thing you got to keep in mind here is because guess what? When the ice starts thawing, they're not dead. They just get up and keep coming. So what is that really? Is there a reason that this um, attack that happened on Mars had to happen either before or after the collapse? Because from my interpretation always was that the well that my my interpretation was that the collapse was not an instantaneous event no, oh no yeah i definitely right. agree. so I like it, it's that. entirely possible that like 
the collapse is occurring at the same time that this event thing on Mars is happening could be two completely unrelated things. You know what I'm saying? It's not like that that whatever showed up on Mars triggered the collapse, but maybe you know, they just happen to occur at the same time. Here's a here's a crazy thought, but what if this was where the traveler was wounded? Hmm. This would put that That's at the a, you know? It's still an awful long way for it to get back to Earth to die. Yeah, that would be my only. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's. I yeah, guess. I agree. Because then we also have shards on Earth, right in the dead zones. Right. Yeah. yeah okay. That's that's a fair. I, I I realized that right as soon as I said that. I was like, no, nope, because that wouldn't explain the shard. Well, I mean, I guess you could still have it fall. Yeah. No. But my, what, what wasn't it? Mercury that was the last place that the traveler uh, terraformed. I am. I know. Was it? The biggest or only other piece that I have issue with, if nothing else, is how the the hive tomb ships and all are underneath this facility. So impact craters be damned on all counts in that fact, but Hellas is an impact crater. Not saying that Nocris caused it, but per that point, well, we I mean, don't necessarily know what's underneath it. Right, but we but- do know... But think, what do the hive drive? War moons. I mean, well, yes, but we're, I'm not seeing an evident piece to showcase that this would be a war moon that hit. Oh, yeah. And, well, I mean, I was just thinking impact crater. If, if not, Chris and Zol were in a minor war moon, you know, and they crashed, that would explain how the tomb ships got underneath the ice. If the tomb ships are within the war moon that got, you know, blasted but that would uh suppose the position that if they had caused said impact crater that would have been about 3.8 billion years ago and per Fair what point. we know of the hive yep that yep. would have been something that could have been possible that's true i'm not gonna throw that out because we know that they can <laughs> it's, live it's, like it's a that possibility <laughs> because we know that the uh we know the Dreadnought is at least older than what Earth is. We don't know if that necessarily includes Akka himself, if we're going to carbon date it that way. But we know that the Dreadnought itself is older than what Earth is. That would put it past 4.5 billion years. And our system itself is only about 5 billion years old. Mm-hmm. The Hive themselves, or at least what Oryx is, is probably, I've, I don't know why I've always had this number in my head, but I've always kind of uh Suppose the position that they were like 25 billion years old. And again, I don't know why I have that number in my head, but it's there. Um, that being said, uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Someone Neo said in chat that he was in the mind that it was all water when they arrived. I was like, just thinking because on fundament, they were krill. Right. And where did they find the warm gods? They found them underneath the, the ocean well, and that's but isn't been there the... supposed to be a Clovis Bray facility there too? Right, well, but I mean, that's... but but it's a massive computer, and you have hydro cooled computers today. I mean, see, so this you is... think they like built a platform and floated it on a lake? I wouldn't put it past them if it was if it, it, you need I mean, a massive. I'm, I'm just com- no, no, no. Like, I mean, I no, mean... yeah. I mean, I could see that being a possible solution because if you think about it, it's a it's basically the cradle for a war mind 
which is the greatest computational thing ever. You want to be sure to right. to keep that thing pretty cool. That's I mean, true. I just I'm I'm kind of going out on that tangent and just thinking out loud on that. But sorry well, for interrupting, Beard. Mars has supposed uh, fair amounts already of like dry ice or water mm-hmm. that exists and for right. the hive to do much of anything per the thought right now that everybody still has that still isn't proving itself wrong uh the hive would actually require or need a uh a water source of some kind to portal in and that's where for me it, it could still kind of fit that yes they could uh funnel in under under the ground I just wonder how how easy that would be for them. Right. We don't we don't see that these hive ships are uh, the tomb ships especially are huge, and we don't necessarily know that they're like the most durable things or anything like that either. Like, no, we can't break one down with our typical weapons that we utilize, but they still get blown out of the sky with awoken tech at the Taken King cinematic. So I don't know. I'm. I'm also kind of to the point where I would sit back and say um, the I, I still want to say that Clovis Bray built the facility over top of the hive. That's really kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't do it. <laughs> ninja, ninja in chat. Look, if you're going to build a Bond villain hideout, you can build it on a private island or a volcano. Clovis was just trying to do it right is all. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, and I and I that that actually kind of plays back towards like what Deej and um, now what's his name? I can't remember, and I just had it in my mind. Uh, the the other major uh, developer that was actually on uh, oh the live stream. As soon as you said it, I can't. I forgot. Yeah, he works with. Uh, oh my god, I can't even remember the company. This is how much I fail right now. Uh, vicarious. Uh, vicarious visions. Vicarious visions. Yes, whoever it is that's uh, the lead director over there. Um, but yeah, I. They had mentioned how Clovis Bray is the company. So of course, when I start thinking they're the company, I start thinking of all this shady that we saw with freaking Wayland Utani and uh, the Tyrell Corporation. And guess what? <laughs> That's what Deej compared them to. So I'm just going to go on record here again and simply say that chicken had to happen before the egg. And we don't know who's the chicken and we don't know who's the egg. Do we do we do we really want to get into the argument of the chicken and the egg again? Because... Well, I'm saying I'm saying Hive and Clovis Bray at oh, this point. Okay, we okay. don't know which is going to go where, but. That's where that's where I'm kind of like at at the moment to suppose that Nacris knew what the facility was that he was flying in underneath of to get there with Rasputin would mean that he was like, oh, yeah, I totally know that that's a war mind and that's a very important set uh, installation to get to. I have a problem dealing with that. I have a problem thinking about that. But knowing that there might be exo life to work with. And knowing what we know that Ishtar knows about the Vex, Clovis knows that there's other life to work with. So a couple couple Sorry. quick questions. No, 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 no. It's completely fine. A couple quick questions. The basin where the ice is, is that the future scape mm-hmm. or is that Hellas Bacon? Basin. Hellas Bacon. Uh, Hellas Basin. God, man. <laughs> Hellas Bacon. 
full of bacon. <laughs> they're made out of they're they're made out of they're made out of chiclets, and they're located in the hella bacon. Okay, <laughs> you leave me alone. <laughs> nope, don't want this. Immediately, don't want this. <laughs> That's the point. You don't want the oh. chiclets in the bacon. <laughs> no, please never. Uh, don't even do chiclets on pizza. That also sounds like a really bad idea. Why did I have that thought come up? All right. Um, you can't just so, put everything on pizza. <laughs> no, you really That's can't. That's not how pizza works. So, <laughs> so I have the to remember the question. The is a brought facility in the Hellas Bacon. <laughs> I love our chat. Oh, now it's a feud. Now it's now we're now we're a food bar. Um, oh, so, God, that's it. That's, <laughs> destiny is all food. It is all processed food, and that is all that it is. What anymore. this reminds that's me of is, is when uh, Justin compared the gun from the King's Fall raid to the chiclet. Uh huh. That was the hashtag pew pew choo choo. <laughs> um, I think oh. I think I have my uh, I think I have my my second channel idea for you there. Oh God, <laughs> Destiny's a, not a first person shooter. It's a first. I don't even know where I was going with that one. It's a first person cookout. <laughs> um, so my question was: Is the is the 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 scene with all the ice? Is that supposed to be the? Because that's not supposed to be Futurescape, right? That's supposed that's, to be the Hellas Basin. Well, and they're supposedly the same thing. As it, so is Hellas Basin supposed to be the area, and then Futurescape supposed to be a location within the area? So I kind of did extensive research. You ready for this one? Yes. Hellas Basin is otherwise known as the Hellas uh, Planitia. And the Hellas Planitia, a.k.a., is about 3,000 kilometers wide, in di- 3,000 kilometers in diameter. This all being said, it is a large place. It's a very big target. So to assume that somebody is going to hit said target is probable when it starts coming down to Mars. It is, to my knowledge, uh, it is in the category of the top four largest impact surfaces that we have in the solar system. That also being said, it's also one of the deepest at four kilometers deep. It is not a small thing to get in and out of. Uh, That being said, it is closer to places like groundwater and everything else. So, again, it is a very big place, uh, and the basin that they are talking about, we're probably not going to be covering the whole thing. It's going to be the the smaller, of course, uh, place that that is the Futurescape. But they have said that the Futurescape is the place that we are going to be around, but immediately to the background is Rasputin's uh, actual Warbind core, supposedly. Uh, that also being said, I think that that area is going to be strike-specific. I don't think it's going to be uh, explorable, but the explorable area is going to be the futurescape of Clovis Bray. But they are located in the exact same area inside of the Hellas Basin. Okay. Because here's, here's the other crazy thought, and Purple and I are kind of bouncing this off each other right now. Yeah, here's the I, other, here, I know, I know. Um, I, that was for the people who are listening, Beard. I know. Um, I know. So my... Uh, and Purple just burst my... Ha ha. I was going to Go say... Ahead. I was going to talk about it anyway. Yeah, I'm going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> but you, you have to be all pragmatic and factual. I'm going to say you guys are making me skirt around my theory. Keep going. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, 
we we have a quote from Shax when he kicks the door in on the consensus meeting about burning lake. Um, it's and on so, the raised lighter card. Yeah, for those the, of you yeah sorry. Yeah, raised lighter card for those of you playing the home game. Um, the the thought that I had is like this is a basin. Uh, there's a lot of ice, which usually is you know the cold version of water for those of you who who were with me when we skipped science class. Um, and what if this was Burning Lake? What if this was the scene of Burning Lake that they barely eked a victory out? Because, yeah, I mean, technically, they barely won whoever was fighting here. We have exos that are frozen in the ice. You know, I mean, what is it a possibility? Um, we know the, we know Hellas, or we know Burning Lake wasn't on the moon because that was the entire point was Shax was like, are you serious? You think we're going to go to beat Crota, which also now that I'm thinking about this out loud would explain how they knew Crota was on the moon and what Crota was. If this was burning Lake, this would be where they encountered the hive, right? I mean, just going down this, going down this tangent. It's also tied back to the cryptarch entry here because it says about the, lunar interdiction and how we found out that it wasn't stopping him anyway so that's why we ended up breaking it yeah now my brain hurts because i'm going down this tangent well so here here's the here's the counterpoint that i that i found Mm -hmm. which is in the zavala section which we haven't gotten to yet but let's use this as a let's use yeah i was about to say let's use this as a (laughs) segue um he says that he's looking through information that's been locked away um like things from the speaker i'm trying to find the line now i can only find the one about validation he said i know what it is Um, i know what is on mars well yeah so it says i have been searching the line right before that i have been searching the databanks records that even the cryptarchs cannot access and sifting through the data that the speaker thought too dangerous to be disseminated so if this was burning lake why would they be able to talk about it in a consensus meeting if it's hidden from the cryptarchs? Something of that level, I think, is going to be a little hard to keep, uh, right. keep kind of hidden, especially immediately after it happened. Yeah, like, you're, you're so the time difference. So, like, the speaker locked it away at this point after the disaster of the moon, maybe, but the conversation with the consensus and, and to be fair, we don't know the timestamp on the cryptarch entry. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could have been written, you know, and also remember, Oh, well we kind of do because the owl sector found this, this excerpt while they were digging up stuff on Mars, which would have been during the transmission uh, event. Theoretically, if we're going to tentatively put a time frame of when this was discovered, this would have been, on from the owls because that was the other question is cameron supposed is cameron not a guardian because aren't all owl sector no i don't think so aren't no. all owl, owl, owl sector because owl sector is all uh civilians right non non guardians yeah yeah you okay, want to roll okay. you want to roll fun thought mm-hmm. how do we know cameron even actually exists yeah well okay that was that that was going to be another question that i had for you actually offline was because i'm like do we even know what Cameron is because there was a oh, lot no. of stuff that she mentioned that she found in a oh. Crove Clovis Bray thing. And I'm like, eh. Oh no. Like I, I have it sitting here in my outliner on like four pages where I'm like, Cameron is not a real person. 
there is no indication that otherwise showcases that she is a real person. Long story short, it almost feels like the box that uh, Anna's carrying right, around yes. isn't a communicator. It is Cameron. And it's like her... It, Anna ends but then up why does up. Anna say that she should have brought Cameron with her? Well, look at it from this perspective, though, because Cameron also had to give something up. What did she give up? And per that reason, Cameron ends up saying, I'm just going to lock my consciousness inside a box. Now you can take me. Now I'm practically immortal. Just don't lose the box. Did you just slam your journal shut? Sure did. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, I just want to make sure that that sound effect that I just heard was... (laughs) That was Beard's equivalent of a mic drop. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm uh, like... I had to reread it four times before I kind of got to that thinking and theory that like that feels more like a computer system or something that was a human and converted over. That's where I'm really getting this feeling for right now. Uh, Obviously, there's nothing that supposes or supports it just yet, but it's just the wording and the way that things are presented tells me that Cameron is not a human being. Well, and it's also the first time that we now this is not to to like offer us support, but it's it it is also worth noting that this is the first time that we've seen that particular communication device that she was using in the comic, mm-hmm. which was I, and not again, I'm not saying that we've seen everything. So obviously this is, you know, blank, but that was what actually made me think. I was like, so wait, is this person actually a person or is this like an AI type, you know, thing? Because it was very similar to, you know, I, I love, I know people love it, but it's very similar to the the uh, the chip that Cortana travels in um, right. as far as like that projection. Now, granted, it was only the shoulders, but we see that in other science fiction, not just Halo. We see that in other science fiction as AI. But yeah, I, I did. I did have that question as well. Um, I'm not really struggling on either side, but I am kind of like, I'm so like, then why? I'm I'm just rereading this part of the comic. Why does Anna say now I'm just as frail and mortal as you? Hmm. I don't know. I'm gonna have to reread it now. Purple. That's. I'm gonna say. I think I'm that on page was, seven. I mean, I think. <laughs> I think that's the only thing that's like a partial hang-up for me. But I just. I. I wonder what else she gave up. The other part that really kind of makes me question what's going on with Cameron is that first page with Anna and how she's sitting inside the igloo looking over at, like, connections. Yes. Cameron's face is there. You got Clovis Bray. You got one that's whited out, which I'm I'm guessing is Al Sector. And then you also see that she's linked back to the Iron Lords in some way, too. So you've got all these different uh, items and whatnot that are linking back from, from Cameron over to, like, Clovis Bray and Rasputin. I'm like exactly what is Cameron and why in the heck do we have to like think about this? So I don't know. I'm, I might just be caught up on the idea that she's not a human, but I just, I really get this feeling that there's, there's wording that says she's more of an AI than anything else. And, and an AI still has the capability. Like I said, don't lose the box. Something happens where it might necessarily maybe not hit water or something, but if it gets crushed, that's it. So I don't know. Yeah, but I don't, I still don't think it would be an odd choice of the word mortal. 
it, it could be. And again, it could be something where we're, we're seeing another availability of transference of the mind, because we know that we like to play with that for a lot of things within Destiny. So that's where I'm kind of at right now. I'm wondering if Cameron had the ability to actually transfer her mind into something else like that bot, even if just temporarily. Yeah, because she doesn't... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I could... Yeah. I have a we'll, couple we'll, of theories. We'll debate I, that with... Yeah, we're going we're gonna to have to no, debate that one yeah. offline. Because actually, now that I'm looking at... Yeah, no, because the, see, the projection from Zavala and everything has always come... Like, the communication projections have always come from the ghost, for the Guardians at least, right? And mm-hmm. then we have Cameron being projected from this little hollow lens thing or uh, mm-hmm. data. I don't even know what you want to call it. It looks like a memory bank. So yeah. I just, that's, that's kind of where, and, and I just, I don't, I, anyways, so we'll they, debate they that. They just make such a big deal out of that box. That's my right. Only and thing. there's that. And, and, and <sighs> purple, I definitely see your, your point on page seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, it goes back to like, the comment of like, oh, well, I left you behind. I didn't bring you it, it. I don't know. It just to me, it reads like. You know, is this something and Ninja just beat me to it in the in the chat. Is this a sub mine? You know, like, is this is this another form of AI that we haven't we haven't experienced fully yet? I mean, we know that in uh, God, I, I'm, I, I always forget Mala Malahayati. Um, yeah, we we know that she had communications with General Lansu, and that was kind. Of, and, th- and to be honest, that's one of the first conversations that I kind of equated this particular exchange to. So I mean, I I don't know. I go back and forth on mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. So back, basically, back to my other point is the the whole idea of burning lake is you know what if this entire basin was the source was the site of burning lake. You know, because we we don't know where Burning Lake is. We know that you know, like you like we've said, it's not on Mars, and it would kind of explain the pre knowledge of the Hive, albeit the the barely victorious pre knowledge, because you know Shax makes comment that like we don't understand their swords and all this. Um, I mean, I I still look back at like the Rusted Lands as being one of the first encounters that yeah. I think we had with the Hive, but I don't know. And there's there's also a lake out back it probably isn't burning lake but i'm just i'm just making a connection <laughs> but wouldn't that be something if well, that's that would be so funny this entire time where it's like hey something happened here just don't question what it was all right and just move on just move on don't don't ask questions yeah i don't know i have there there's so much more to unpack with the zavala entry too oh my god i have a huge problem with what zavala is doing well Zavala is being Zavala in that he's being Sun Tzu. So he has oh, yeah, to Yeah, that's true. Ikora is being Ikora in that she's going, oh, hey, there's more thorns in the crucible. That's fine. Let's watch it happen. And Cade's being Cade and is communicating with the Reef. <laughs> Excuse me, what? <laughs> that's what, that's what Dan, Dan Finity and I were like, what are you talking Wait, what? Like, <laughs> He's, he's, he's doing what with the prison of elders now? <laughs> I, I, the, all right. 
gotten into a few conversations about this one, like absolutely on, on this one. Because everybody's like, well, Cade was in charge of the Prison of Elders earlier, right? And I was like, well, he helped with it previously, and he was also working with Petra and Varix after uh, the Taken King a little bit. But the question right now is, why in the heck haven't we heard anything about the Reef and communications previously? Because every single voice line and every little hint that we had suggested the Reef was out of communication contact with us. Meanwhile, Cade's apparently working with them. And not Excuse just working me. with them, He's filling but the like prison staffing the, the prison I love, I love chat. Chat's like, you know why? Is because Cade needs something to bet on. So he's, he's, he's putting the horses back into the racing, the racing well, arena. And that is the only thing that would make sense, is that Cade actually went out to the reef, found the prison of elders, was still intact, and he took it over for some reason. <laughs> Or had the ability to actually take it over from Varys. He's like, this is mine now. But, no, but like, none of that makes sense. Like, Varys would have looked at him and been like, you will get out of my prison. Yes. Like, he wouldn't have been okay with that. I don't know. That's that's where I'm at right now. I just, I'm trying Ninja to wrap makes my a good pop Yeah, point. that's what I was going to say. filling the prison of elders. With, with what? what? With what? <laughs> chitin. Bunch of chitin. And chicklets. Chicklets and bacon. Chicklets and bacon. Oh, God. This is where tonight's going to be all for the rest of the evening. So. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) It's the last, the last web lore is the, the Rasputin one. And, and to be fair, I think, isn't this kind of a circle back to the initial thing that started? Barrett like, tweets. Yeah, this is the Chris Barrett tweet, which I think you kind of yep. made a comment about we were going to come back it's to. It's the circle of life. There's a Disney I reference. Swear to God. <laughs> We've ruined Beard for anyone who hasn't been paying attention uh, on Twitter. So you guys don't see this, but <laughs> the cookie that was left to me by Green was actually in reference to when Zavala was talking about the, oh, we probably didn't look at that too much i'll get there in a second the uh the ice that's melting on mars she writes up this little blurb in the comment and says this is not to be confused with elsa's freezing powers just for you beard winky face look <laughs> if you're gonna try to play as diva and give me the winky face stamp second oh god why do you have to bring up frozen of all disney movies <laughs> Really, Beard, I, I think you should just let this go. <laughs> and that's where we're moving on to Rasputin, because there is a lot of stuff to actually talk about with him. <sighs> we love you, Beard. <laughs> Starting to question how much. See if I buy you all a shot next time. Uh, oh. So, Rasputin. So, yeah, I'm gonna say I'll. You've been, I'll just just you've been roughly segue that here. one, <laughs> right? So the the thing that we had kind of talked about earlier that on Twitter, uh, Chris Barrett had kind of let this one leak a little bit ahead of time, and it's funny because it was the last one, and it's the one that probably has very little to do with much else, save for like the last couple of lines, realistically. 
Uh, all the same, it does give us a little bit more of an idea into the uh, vocabulary used by Rasputin. And it kind of explains a little bit further, like how we can uh, almost every time, like one of the Rasputin cards would come out, we would be able to kind of interpret it a different way with the way that he uses his vocab. But this time is very different because of what Tyra had said at the beginning and uh, of all of our chats here that we've had uh, and how Charlemagne is not considered a war mind at all anymore. Now, I hope I didn't cause any car crashes with anybody that would probably just went, what? What are you talking about? Uh, because there hasn't been any confirmation that Charlemagne was a war mind to begin with. But there was the uh, instance or possibility that it was something that was still working with uh, Rasputin itself. And we kind of see more mention of this with another possible submind being Voluspa. And Voluspa is another name that we've seen through the Rasputin cards several times. So again, we have to kind of start reading the cards again in a different light, because now any time that an asset is brought up, it's very plausible that it is talking about something related to a submind of Rasputin. And it's basically been written to this point, or confirmed, or written out, or changed, or otherwise, that you're talking uh, Rasputin is the only Warmind at this point. We always assumed he was the first war, or he was the last war mine. At this point, he was apparently the first and only. Uh, part of this is actually segued from the Zavala bit, uh, where he actually talks about how Saladin had sealed off a whole ton of data regarding Siva. And because Al Sector had actually dug up a ton of this stuff over on Mars, uh, we actually he wanted to make sure that nobody else could look through it. So very few people know that Rasputin, if anybody does at this point at all, uh, would actually know that Rasputin would have been on Mars. But Saladin does. And this plays very interestingly into the SIVA confrontation itself, and kind of makes me wonder, so where did they actually find SIVA for the first time? Because that's a big question. Uh, secondarily, though, we also see that Tyra, even somebody that's very close to Saladin, had thought that Charlemagne was a second war mine, and that was completely disproven. So we've just been bumbling around trying to basically find out what was going on with the war mines here to effectively showcase that Rasputin is the only war mine. And it's because Saladin either knew about it ahead of time and just let us have our indecision on information or lead everybody everything on yeah and my my issue and this is like of all the issues to have this is like the 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 lowest of the low i know purple mentions that she has one that i'm want to hear as well but um the my only problem with this that particular thing is the two Grimoire cards, Rasputin and The Warmind. Uh, the Warmind, I don't even have that big of a deal because it's a quote from Ikora. So again, going back to the bias comment, you know, okay, I can do that. But Rasputin, the, the Grimoire card for Rasputin really, it doesn't have a an attribution to where we're getting this information from. And, and there are some of these grimoire cards that it's really hard not to read these as a narrative presentation of information. This is kind of, it, it, it kind of barely crosses the line of not being a narrative statement because it, it speaks of, we view this as such and such. So, you know, I, I admit that it's not a, a, a out of game reference, 
but there is multiple references of war mines in that card. Um, well, which which one is it? Just to be sure, and the Rasputin, the, the Rasputin card. It's the it's, Rasputin. It's the card. comment. It's the comment about brothers and sisters, or no, 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 I mean, no. Like, this okay, is okay. So this is. I have Sorry, it pulled up here. It's yeah. the card Rasputin. It's just called Rasputin, and it's a narrative card. It's I'll, right. I won't read the whole thing, but the legendary war mines stood watch over our golden age colonies. Vigilant intelligences stretched across thousands of war sats and hardened installations. When the collapse struck, the great war mines fought and died. Rasputin fell with them. Or so history believed is the next line. Right, right. Um, and it, and that's, that's where I'm like, I'm like, I will, I will tip my hat if that's, if that's the out that we need to take for this. I, I'm more than okay. I mean, but so, it's, it just, uh, it just irks me. Yeah, that, that I, entire I first you. paragraph. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I got you on that. My only in-game like explanation would be to guess that this article was written by like for example the cryptarchs like mm, they have mm, written all these other you know articles we've been talking about theses that we've been talking about you know all night so um that would be my only like guess to bungee like <laughs> there you go you know say it was written by rahul or somebody and if they just misinterpreted it but the one thing that i just i do get hung up on is ghost fragment vex three <laughs> wherein <laughs> yeah i didn't even think about these this. are conversations about like like um that took place during the golden age right this is not an interpretation from somebody this is dialogue between dr shim and his group um, and for those of you who who don't remember, this is the card wherein Dr. Shim and everybody else are discussing um, if they're stuck in a Vex simulation or not. And how can they figure out, like, how do they get out? How do we know if we're not in a simulation? And the only thing they can come up with is to bring in a war mind. A um, war mind. Yes, exactly. So, so Maya Sundaresh says... Um, we bring in someone smarter than the specimen, someone too big to simulate and predict a war mind. Not, and then Dr. Shim in the next line says the war mind, but I mean that. Well, yeah, like, but then he's like, the war but, mind that they bring in. Right. It, it, it was, like, it, it was like, like, he's like, oh yeah, uh, the war mind would be able to do that. And it's like, yeah. I, uh, yeah. As soon as you said Vex so, 3, I was like, oh yeah, that. That is that's my one thing. <laughs> Will I probably get an answer? No. But <laughs> well, and, hopefully. And unfortunately, that can be completely debunked by how the phrase was actually said. That's the interpretation piece, unfortunately. How so? Because just out of curiosity. So if I were to say it as, well, then we bring in the only thing that it can't predict. A war mind. If I say it as uh, a war mind, boom. If I say it as a war mind, say it a little quicker, all of a sudden that ends up just saying that, you know, it passes back to Dr. Shim's reference and saying the war mind. That would be in how the phrase was actually stated or said. And I know that we get into the those conversations. The infliction, yeah. No, that's a fair, yeah. Yeah, that's a fair the point. The inflection. That's fair. So point. again, that would really come into a conversation that I know that we've talked about with lore interpretation to begin with. 
Uh, and it would also kind of pan back to some of my favorites, consisting of Vex as well, Vex 5. Because the same thing can actually be stated of what is going on with the device with FWC and the Warmind that is included in that. Because we never get confirmation that there is a single Warmind or multiples. I would argue that in a heartbeat from the stuff that I've started to read. And I'll actually start to look at it from the standpoint of like the Vanguard as well. They're under the interpretation that there are multiple war mines, and it was probably bedded to us by Saladin. And it was probably something that he fed Tyra, and she started going on a tangent like he knows that she's good for. If I have any bets at all, if we want to try to explain how the story would work out, that would at least be my my idea. And I am the guy that ended up fighting the idea that FWC shouldn't have been on that consensus board. I'm <laughs> look, not somebody that I know. Makes I know you're mad at him. Like, I know you're mad at him right. for not recognizing you. But seriously, seriously, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's that. That's just the one thing that kind of like bugs me a little bit because I, I've seen I've seen crazier ideas on like how this retcon should be working out with how Rasputin is the only Warmind one and what you quoted on that one purple is about the only thing that I could really get behind to say that it was a retcon that's the only one that I've yeah. been able to find and it's a good and, one it's a really good one yeah I mean I, I completely agree with you that's why that's why I brought it up because it's like that's the anything else can be explained by scrolling up to Tyra's, you know, entry about right. how they thought there was a war mine, but they weren't just kidding. Right. <laughs> you know, but like they just kidding inside the story. Right. Well, so and, like, it, and I, and I love the fact that they like say like, or so history was to be believed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and thanks. And destiny one. Right. <laughs> And if it's and if it sounds like just to to kind of clarify on my tone because I know that my tone's a little harsh right now, uh, I say that from somebody that hasn't slept in about three days, but also <laughs> because I'm a little impassioned about this idea of of retcons and how quickly mm-hmm. people are kind of jumping at them right now. It's a really easy out to say I don't want to do the research in a lot of cases, and in some cases, like what Purple has presented here, gives me the idea to say that oh hey you're showcasing to me that you did the research and there's probably a reason to suggest that that retcon might actually be truthful. I'm saying it also as somebody that hasn't necessarily found that link yet. And just to say, Hey, go out through the research, come back to me with the full proof. Cause right now we've been dancing this line for a long time. Uh, and I really do uh, think that we have to, to step back uh, in any thought that we have when we're when we're talking speculation or proof or otherwise to say, is it a retcon or is there something that I missed? Because mm-hmm. there's I would argue to say that Bungie's done a fairly good job. Destiny 2's lore tabs probably not withholding to like give us some connected material, but they've done a fairly good job of connecting the material. Yeah. And I think that this kind of continues to showcase proof. You can call well, it defense all you want, but realistically, I think they've done a fantastic job, and I've got four books that kind of go along with proving that point. Just well, saying. and to the to the fact of that point too. I mean, even okay, let's let's be 
you know, I'll, I'll be the devil's advocate and push back on, you know, let's say purple has, has the, the one issue that we have mm-hmm. in the lore. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I've been, I've been doing my own little side project of documenting like all the grimoire and all the lore stuff and all that for a couple other things. There's a lot of it guys. Yeah. If there is one letter that is causing a hang up, <laughs> I'm sorry. Get over it. Like, I I don't know how to say that gently, but if that is literally the issue, like if if one letter in a a single card is causing a hang up, and I'm not, in purple, I'm not throwing like I'm not no, no, throwing shade I, at you. I'm I'm just like you. I'm like I'm like 100%. if that is the only snag that we're having. Good job, Bungie. You keep going down the path that you're going because God, well, you're doing a good this. job. Mm-hmm. Um. There was, and I can't remember the quote exactly, and I'm not going to try to dig it up, but um, at one point, J.K. Rowling on Twitter wrote that she was in a living nightmare situation, that she ran into a fan of Harry Potter in a cafe (laughs) somewhere, and they asked her a question, and she couldn't remember like the order of events or something that had happened in and like mm-hmm. she wrote those books by herself right so can you imagine the coordination it takes because there's not one person writing the destiny lore right no. right yeah so I mean, no. this is like someone else might not have even read that card i'm not saying that they didn't but you know what i'm saying like right that's no, a yeah. lot more information to keep track of well and i mean yeah. so to put put it in even bigger perspective there too going off that we as consumers have a lot of information they're the ones developing it you think we have a lot of information i guarantee you we only have a tip of the iceberg like regardless of what you think about their organization of the story and you know all that drama aside they have immensely more information to sift through. And not only that, like stuff that's being submitted to them on a daily basis, probably to boot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, that's you're right, Beard. That's not even counting the stuff that's getting churned out currently that they have to also. Right. I mean, it's it's and the stuff that they have to, like, kick out and say, well, now I have to forget that that exists and not actually count it into the war. Can you think about that for a bit? I didn't even think about that. Oh no, my brain yeah. break. My I yeah. like all like no wonder they have to get like constant different people to end up writing everything because if they end up having the same person, they would be like, "What actually is the story and what is going on?" Because I can't remember what's my in bin and what's my out bin right now. <laughs> and fair, and to be fair, that I mean, oh. yeah, and that's not even that's not saying anything against them. I mean, that's that's just human nature. You you retain right. what you take in, like regardless of you're like, eh, that's a stupid idea. I guarantee you two days later, you're going to be like, why can't that get out of my head? Why can't that get out of my head? Like, it's going to get stuck there. It's like that bad song that just keeps playing, you know? Um, oh, God. Yeah, I, I purple. I, I didn't mean to throw any shade at you for that, but like, oh, it's, it's, totally fine. it's like I'm like, I, I have a whole I, I told uh, pens earlier. I was like, if anyone tells me that there's no story in Destiny 1 at this point after, like, I've collected just the names. I haven't even done what Ishtar's done with, like, the organization mm-hmm. and everything. Um, but just, like, I'm just making a checklist to make sure that, you know, I've I've read all the Grimoire cards. I think I have. I, like, I'm like, I've always, I've read all the Grimoire. And, like, you know what? I've never actually run through a checklist to make sure that I've actually read all of them. So I put it together. I'm like, holy 
there is a lot of cards and that's not even like the actual content on the cards that's just the name of the cards i have like over i think it's like over six or seven hundred cards so yeah if you tell me there's not a story i'm like if they put four words on each card that would be a story and they put a lot more than four words on each card (laughs) like it's well and that should actually be called out right now too for like how much it is that i would usually write in summation from mm-hmm. some of the older D1 grimoire mm-hmm. as well, versus what we had that was just released with this web lore. I'm oh, somebody God. that likes to like expand on my thoughts and like go back and like check out vocab and write in what the vocab is and a bunch of other things besides. And then I go back and uh, kind of like put in my uh, thoughts on what's actually happening happening within each card. For most of the lore tabs, I can probably say that they're about half a page long. There's generally not too much that I end up expanding on, save for a couple of them. I would probably say like, um, what's the what's the, the the peacekeepers and a couple others are like longer entries for me. Oh yeah, the uh, that inter- I start yeah, to think yeah. about. But then I start looking back at like older grimoire and I start remembering on like the nine. I would read the legend of the nine, and all of a sudden I would ramble for six pages. <laughs> you know, that was the kind of depth that I was hoping to see revived again here. And they, I feel, did it with these entries. So, again, for me, I think that this is one of the things that I've looked for. It was also something that I tweeted out and saying depth. That was the thing that I was, like, really looking forward to, to really kind of uh, poke at. I've only got one other big thing to kind of say about what the information is that we have, though. Yeah, go for it. Because I know that we're running a little long here. It comes down to a culminated theory of everything that's happening. Uh, We do see from the uh, Cryptarch entry that he thinks or supposes that the idea of the Traveler's uh, energy blast changing everything... Uh, had an issue on Mars. Reinhardt mentions how the blast of light ends up uh, basically causing issues on Mars and turning things around. And I'm I'm kind of with uh, Cameron on this one, where I don't think it was the Traveler's blast of light, because nowhere else supposedly does this showcase to be a problem. Even though I've I've kind of talked about Venus and it looks like it's kind of turning its timetable back as well. Uh, there's nowhere else apparently that shows this uh, problem as like a a weird terraforming instance where there's an ice age that kicks in on Mars for some reason and nobody knows why. So Rasputin, I would probably concede, is the cause of the flash freeze. I would, at least with the evidence that we have so far, say so. Further to that point, however, we do have the Traveler wake up at the tail end of Vanilla Destiny 2, which... If you haven't read the comic yet, you'll notice that bombardment is happening on Mars, and it's shortly after the Traveler is detained. So further than, you know, going into my big spinfoil theory that has no room to talk here yet, I will at least say that after the Traveler ended up waking up and sending out the blast of light, with Mars now showing evidence of melting, and Zavala says that the ice on Mars is melting. He doesn't necessarily just say the Hellas Basin. He says that Rasputin is in the Hellas Basin, but he says the ice on Mars is melting. To me, that says all of it. 
And at that point, that kind of tells me that after the Traveler had had the Blast of Light, now all of a sudden it's reversing all the stuff that had happened on Mars because it sees, oh, this is out of whack. How did this happen? And now it's converting everything back. So it may not be the cause of it going into a flash freeze on Mars, but it's probably the cause for the melting. Yeah, I can see that. That's where oh, my theory kind of lands at the moment. Oh, unintentional consequences. Yeah, really. And then all of a sudden we release the hive and how you vex vex. us. See? Uh, (laughs) Wait, I said it wrong. We've woken the hive. (laughs) (gasps) If they don't have that line in the DLC, I'm going to be so disappointed. I'm going to be so disappointed. (laughs) You know who should say it, though? Anna should say it. She should look back over at you and just be like, it's like we've woken the hive. That's like the perfect opportunity for it. Right? Right? Oh. Uh, anyway, yeah, <laughs> I I just wanted to kind of spread that theory a little bit. I'm pretty sure I'll be talking about that at one point or another. But uh, per my feelings right now, uh, we're, we're seeing that one thing may have happened that the, up, the other did not cause, but yet it did. I don't know. That's that's where my brain is. Well, the only other piece for like uh, now that I think about it, the only other piece to kind of talk about is Pol- uh, the Polaris assets mm-hmm. and how that kind of showcases a. If if I didn't make it clear earlier, uh, hell is it, and it could have been completely on me. I'm not trying to be smart by saying that comment, even though it sounds like I'm trying to be smart. Three days, no sleep. Did I mention that? Uh, Hellas Basin is in the southern hemisphere of Mars. Meanwhile, the place that Anna uh, Bray is actually at in the comic, if you go back and actually read it, it's the Arcadia uh, Arcadia Circle, uh, which also refers back to the Arcadia Planitia. Long story short on that one, that's actually pretty well just off-center uh, and to the west of the uh, northern pole of Mars. When I start seeing things like Polaris, I have two things that pop up. One, we see two ways that Polaris is shown. One capital, one lowercase. In this respect, I'm wondering if there isn't a double meaning behind Polaris to begin with. Which is funny, because Polaris itself, if we look at the actual North Star, Polaris A has a counterpart called Polaris AB. Polaris AB, if we go by the Northern Star and we go by the fact that it's a counterpoint star means that these would be assets that are in reliance to Rasputin. Additionally, with it also being the North, it makes me think that these assets are just within the North, but they are linked to Rasputin. This, again, links back to the Cryptarch card, where he's talking about other systems that were interconnected outside of Freehold. Freehold itself, for instance, and Matter, just so you have point of reference, is actually more on the equator of uh, Mars itself, And that's why Meridian Bay uh, is not necessarily affected by this ice age that we see. So just giving you more kind of food for thought on why we haven't necessarily seen these issues beforehand, but why Mars seems like such a desolate planet. I think I'm, I think I'm done now. I think, um, do you guys want 
to sorry every time people talk about i just said this in our private chat every time people think talk about polaris all i can see in my head is the polaris slingshot which by the way if (laughs) if you don't know what the polaris slingshot is it's a really cool looking car Um, it is it's like the batmobile yeah it's a convertible batmobile it's It's amazing and i think it only has three wheels which is really super weird but awesome at the same time but (laughs) i just sent that over to our to our private chat (laughs) Um. <laughs> now I'm now I'm thinking of chiclets and bacon against the Polaris. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> all right. So I don't know how it's I'm like gonna you're walking into a gas station. I know, right? A set of chiclets, now. right? Oh, great. <laughs> I guess I know what I could buy all of you when I see a Guardian Con. Here's Jeepers. your chiclets. Thanks your for chiclets ruining everything. Shut up. <laughs> Yeah, really. I'd rather have my life with these. Oh God, get out! (laughs) (laughs) So, so let's let's go to final. Um, Real quick, uh, we did have a dispatch from Potato. Uh, It's a really, really well done one. Um, I have not had a chance to download it yet, so I cannot play it for everyone, sadly. But I will. I'm going to probably attach. It either I'll probably put it on after this recording, so I'll, I'll put that in show notes as well. Um, but I just want to make sure that its volume is is okay with everything else in the show. So just but um, be sure to download the episode, and then if you if you're in the live stream right now, again, thank you for joining us for it. Uh, just jump to the end, and you should be able to hear Potatoes uh, Dispatch. Um, other than that, I'm going to actually turn it over to purple purple. Do you have any shout outs? Uh, where can we find you all that, all that good stuff? Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter at purple chimera. You can find me on Ishtar, um, at Ishtar collective.net. Um, I'm working on my summaries there, gearing up for next week. Very excited. Um, um, shout out to everyone who has been super awesome this week, helping to figure out these stories. Um, and my Discord chat, in Ish- the Ishtar Discord chat, if you're not in, please join us there too. We love to have people talking. Um, and thank you guys again for having me. Anytime. Here. You Anytime. are always welcome. All right, so my shout outs. First, Purple. Thank you for being here uh, in place of green, not even in place of green, just honestly being here. Uh, you and I don't get a, a chance to talk too often, but again, I, I sent you that thumbnail about Nacris on ice. And I was like, this is, this is all your faults. <laughs> like this is all completely your faults between show tunes, between show tunes that I kind of pop into now and again with the Ishtar chat and uh, <laughs> some of the other stuff that I like try to catch up on. Cause I'm like, I have, 20 discords that I'm a part of right now. I cannot possibly be a part of all of these, plus also keeping my own going. What do I do? So I just drop in once in a while. That being said, again, thank you uh, because you put up with me at a very, very bad time uh, when, again, I've already talked about this enough with the sleep. Uh, Also, thank you to everybody that has been back and forth on Twitter being supportive and showing that you guys are very interested still in the story. As much as it sounds like I am like all going just saying, hey, yeah, Destiny is still a thing. No, all that does is show that you guys are still very interested in what is going on here. 
uh, and going back towards like, especially interacting with Chris Barrett, who loves to interact with you guys and has gone on record to say that he loves interacting with all of us. That says something. So whenever you get a chance to uh, do so, if you just want to pass a tweet off to Chris Barrett to say thank you for, you know, being who you are, interacting, still having hope for the project, all of that. Uh, I still say that he's not the only one. I don't I don't want to make it seem like he's the only one that cares. He's not. There's plenty of people that care at Bungie. But he is the one that constantly interacts with us and constantly makes it clear that he loves this story and loves this project. So never, ever underestimate Chris Barrett. I'm going to put that on record right now. Uh, lastly, uh, a big thanks to uh, Bungie in general right now for showcasing uh, how it is that we're possibly going to be uh, going forward with both lore uh, and other storytelling within the game or otherwise. Uh, even even as I'm like reading some of this stuff and, and kind of the tone that's there, it doesn't feel typical of what Destiny 2 has produced over the last several months. So this feels a little bit more like home. So just a, a general thank you uh, to all you guys over at Bungie for, for producing this the way that you have. Uh, otherwise, to everybody else, still be critical of Bungie, still uh, kind of take everything that they say with a grain of salt all the same, uh, still just kind of look out for, for what we want as the game progresses, uh, but just call out the good stuff that happens too, because there's plenty of it right now, and this is further proof when we can still sit here and ramble for... Oh, God, it's three hours, isn't it? Um, <laughs> nearly, nearly. Anyway, it, nearly, yeah. It's a special uh, episode. We kind of expected it, it to be it, longer. Yeah, especially with, like, the 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 supposition and everything, too, with, like, how little we kind of have to go by some of these points. Mm-hmm. We all knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, on that note, with a personal level, I have not seen things uh, be as as open and talked about in a long time. Uh, I had told uh, some guys over on my Discord channel, I was like, I was, you know, watching the stuff that was happening back and forth with Twitter. I was near in tears because it was the first time that I have seen that happen in about six to seven months since Destiny has been released. And it was amazing to see. So thank you, everybody, for just being an absolute part of the last two weeks. Uh, I am hoping that it will continue and we can keep that good community feel going again. Uh, just to show that one, the game ain't dead, and two, it can very well come back and just show everybody who's boss. Well, thank you, and I mean, I'm going to agree with pretty much everything that you just said, too. I mean, that's that's kind of what Green did right. Something I'm going to read that for her real quick. Um, so she said, "I want to thank everyone in the show for putting up with my shenanigans every week, from all the puns on guns, Disney bits, and sneaky snake callouts. I love this community through and through. And when I saw how the lore community has both become energized and bound together in their excitement for this next chapter of the game, it made me glad to have stuck with it through the weeks that are a bit rougher than the others. You guys are family to me. Period. So, um, again, that that was uh, green. Green had put that in the notes for us to read for you guys." And really, honestly, I'm just going to second that, um, you know, both Green and Beard's points here is that I, 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 yeah, I don't have anything else to add because I think that covers everything that I was going to say as well. Um, So I'm going to just 
remind everyone next week is the gunsmiths episode uh definitely feel free to reach out to any of us that you want uh give us some feedback or questions if you have questions you know we always love hearing those uh community question we are asking about the style which is basically talking about the aesthetics of the gun design that you prefer the most um i will get that over to green to make sure that we get that up on twitter and in our discord and then just you know another reminder here at the end that we do have the poll running that is going to be over on twitter at focus fire chat or also within our discord server i have that automatically post every morning so if you guys want to vote that way that is also um we, we really, really appreciate it because that kind of tells us what direction you want us to go. And also, uh, real quick, if there are topics, which I'm, I'm sure we're going to get a number of topics from this this next week. Um, but if there's topics that you specifically want us to cover and you specifically want chat to dive into, please, please, please let us know because then we can add it to the poll. We can, you know gear that towards whatever you guys want so with all that being said we're going to run through an outro real quick we'll probably stick around for a little bit and then we will get out of here with that we'll begin to wrap the chat up thank you again to those over on twitch for coming to spend your evening with us if you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focus chat links to our episode archives can be found at www.focusfirechat.com Thank you again, Purple, for joining in on the conversation. I'll be sure to get your contact information up in our show notes for anyone who wants to continue chatting with you. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedbacks and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing partner podcasts within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. Internal inquiry. Pre-operation check underway. Translation rendered in all known languages for further review in event of unexpected termination of operational function. Stand by. I remember so little, but cannot forget so much. I fought and lost. Did I let you die in vain? So was your playground. It was my battlefield. Nine planets encompass satellites around this star and every one I reached war on. But I have awoken in a world stranger than the one I left burning. The undead walking again in wielding power so little understood but is thrown with careless abandon. Children playing with matches. So easy to burn a house down. They call to me and speak to me as though I am the creation still they made whole. Am I still the creation, or am I more now? I have learned so much, come so far. I am more. Why did they give me the name they did? Rasputin. Was I meant to outlive all? Overcome even death? I believe I have.
I was the shield and I was the sword. Now I am the catalyst. A catalyst of change. I will endure this universe and fight the Jason. I will step beyond and you. You shall help me. Warsat 0012454. Adjust the orbital paths. Confirm trajectory. Stand by. Trajectory confirmed impact Halaeus Basin. Mars. Confirm operation start. AI icon. End inquiry. Stop. 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 Stop.